Good morning. In today's headlines, a wake of destruction left in southwest Florida. Hurricane Ian knocked out power for over two and a half million people in destroyed homes. Some are now picking up the pieces. Advocates for victims of sexual abuse by Catholic priests release a list of more than 300 accused abusers. They are demanding action from the Archdiocese of San Francisco. A new Illinois law is eliminating cash bail for most offenses, but the change has some fearing for their safety. Stay tuned to find out why. A controversial love letter has caused mixed reactions online. We hear how it's made the lovely couple's relationship stronger than ever. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. It's Friday today, September 30th, and we're starting to see more and more of what Hurricane Ian left behind, a trail of destruction really in southwest Florida. Millions were left in the dark. Thousands were trapped in their homes. Now rescue crews are working tirelessly to save people in flooded areas. According to local media, at least 15 people are confirmed dead. That number is expected to rise, though. Here's NTD's Jeremy Sandberg with more on the hurricane's wake. Ruined homes, boats and marinas smashed to pieces, and collapsed sections of bridges. This was the scene in parts of Florida Thursday after Hurricane Ian passed through the state. Major flooding from storm surge submerged entire neighborhoods. The causeway to Sanibel Island was left in ruins. In Fort Myers, where the hurricane made landfall, people in one neighborhood were seen canoeing past scattered debris and torn apart trees. Many that chose to shelter in place were trapped in their homes. Some say next time they will heed evacuation warnings. 12-foot storm surge? That's what I got. Others say they lost everything and feel lucky to be alive. But I literally watched my house disappear. Governor Ron DeSantis says first responders, service technicians, and Army Corps engineers are working hard to ensure people are safe and have what they need and to get essential utilities back online. We have uh, thousands and thousands of people on the ground uh, working to restore power, uh, opening the roads, bringing in food and water, and restoring communications. More than 2.6 million homes and businesses in Florida were without power on Thursday. Although there have been some reports of casualties, the death toll is not yet certain. In terms of confirmed, uh, that will be made apparent over the coming days. President Biden has approved Florida's disaster declaration, making federal resources available to impacted areas. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. On Thursday, Target announced plans to donate $5 million for relief efforts. The donation will be focused on the immediate needs of residents, providing food, water and other essentials. And some dramatic moments were captured on video when Hurricane Ian passed over land. You're about to see the sheer power of water produced by the storm. This footage was taken in a Naples, Florida apartment building. While waiting out the storm, water violently broke down the door. It quickly rose above his head and carried him up the stairs. The force of the water almost dragged him back down. He says he was able to resist the pull by holding onto a guardrail. I lost my shoes. I got completely submerged underwater all above my head. And I ran up the stairs barefoot after that. It looks like a bomb went off here to be honest. It's beyond what I thought was capable of happening. 
Don't ever underestimate the power of water. Two people had to be rescued from their sailboat in the Fernandina Harbor Wednesday night. The Nassau County Sheriff's Office posted video of the rescue to their social media. According to the post, no one was injured during the incident. Fernandina Harbor is located about 45 minutes north of Jacksonville. Florida residents are used to hurricane season, and for many, it's always been a manageable risk, but Hurricane Ian was different. It's one of the strongest hurricanes to ever hit Florida. Over two and a half million people were asked to evacuate. After the water receded, people went back to check their homes. Some were left picking up the pieces. Entities cost to Maness reports. Residents of Florida are counting the costs after Ian left many in the state homeless. One of the strongest storms ever to hit the U.S. mainland flooded St. Carlos Island in Florida. Florida's death toll remains uncertain amid scattered reports of casualties. Governor Ron DeSantis acknowledged some people had perished, but warned against speculating before official confirmation. Surviving residents lamented the loss of property, but say they are grateful to make it out alive. The main thing in a storm is to keep yourself and your family safe. I mean, you can always move on, right? We can always move on, get more stuff, <laughs> or not. <laughs> My load will be lighter. In Fort Myers Beach, local resident Doug recounted how he rode out Ian while taking shelter in his shrimp boat. 140 mile an hour. It was a wind up turning to Cat 5. I mean, even 140 mile an hour. You run the boats out. These docks down here ain't very solid. I mean, look at all the damage. You walk down there a street, you'll see. Ian, which weakened to a tropical storm during its trek across Florida, returned to hurricane strength by 5 p.m. after moving into the Atlantic Ocean, with maximum sustained wind speeds of 75 miles per hour. Cost MNS, NTD News. The hurricane did weaken to a tropical storm, but it regained Category 1 hurricane strength yesterday afternoon. And the National Hurricane Center says it's now heading towards South Carolina and that life-threatening flooding, storm surge and strong winds are possible. Hundreds of miles of coastline from Georgia to North Carolina are under hurricane warning. It's forecast to hit near the low-lying Charleston area in South Carolina this afternoon. In other news, The Daily Show host Trevor Noah says he's stepping away from the anchor desk. He made the announcement on Twitter last night. Noah says his time is up after seven years on the show. It's been absolutely amazing. It's something that I never expected. I've loved hosting the show. It's been one of my greatest challenges. It's been one of my greatest joys. As host of The Daily Show after Jon Stewart signed off in 2015. He hinted that his decision to leave the show is rooted in his desire to return to more stand-up work. He didn't share when his final show would be, but says he'd still be around for a while. And this is a whole other disturbing topic. Advocates for Victims of Sexual Abuse by Catholic Priests released a list of more than 300 accused abusers. And all of these abusers are associated with the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story. The Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests delivered its list of 312 names on Thursday, along with a letter to Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione. The letter urges him to release his own internal list of credibly accused priests. Um, having a list of predators is a very important um, feature for, 
for survivors who are still trying to understand what happened to them. He goes on to say that it's in the interest of public safety that lists ensure that accused priests who are still alive become known to families who attend church in the archdiocese. The San Francisco Archdiocese is one of only 15 in the U.S. that has not publicly listed abusive priests, a number representing less than 10% of all dioceses. The Archdiocese says its policy is to report sexual abuse allegations to authorities, an independent review board, and parishes. The first public lists were published two decades ago. Dioceses often release such lists in response to external events such as a criminal investigation. The sexual abuse of children by the clergy and the subsequent cover-ups began to receive public attention during the late 1980s. By the 1990s, cases were being heavily covered in the media. Since then, widespread abuse has been exposed worldwide. Abuse survivor Melinda Costello shares the impact of such abuse. Never-ending, yeah. It's affected, it affected my whole life, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have nightmares of it, but my childhood was ruined forever can't repeat that. The cases demonstrate global patterns of long-term abuse as well as the church's pattern of covering it up. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Chicago has a high crime rate and many fear it will only become worse. Experts are sounding the alarm about a new law taking effect in January. They say it could increase crime in the state. Here's the story. The so-called Safety Act, a new law in Illinois, will end cash bail for defendants of all crimes starting January 1st. It's a first in the country. Those for it say the new law provides justice for the poor, but critics say it will increase crime and cause confusion in the judicial system. Eugene Roy, retired chief of detectives with the Chicago Police Department, says the new law is too lenient. I was shocked and appalled to read some of the provisions of the Safety Act. When you don't have consequences for bad behavior, for criminal behavior, people don't respect the law, they don't respect the fellow members of their community, and they keep on doing the same things. But those in favor of the new law disagree. Molly Galloway has been a longtime critic of the cash bail. She says cash bail is an injustice to the poor. In America, it is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But in reality, those with more means are able to buy better cards. The game is rigged, and this is an injustice. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker also praised the passing of the Safety Act. This legislation marks a substantial step toward true safety, true fairness, and true justice. Thomas DeVore is running for attorney general in Illinois. He says the legislators crafted the law without transparency, creating major problems. Cash bail allows defendants to continue their lives until the trial if they can pay. So DeVore says eliminating bail could result in more confinement. Especially in our minority communities who are very sensitive to this new law, and they're starting to understand that there's a real possibility that the courts just detain them without any opportunity to post bond as additional assurance. That's a big issue. Michael Levinson, a criminal defense lawyer, says no cash bail benefits his clients. But he says from a public safety standpoint, when a dangerous defendant needs to be detained, judges will have a hard time applying the law equally. The problem is, is that we don't know which provision, which paragraph the judge is going to apply. The new law prompted four states' attorneys, two Democrats and two Republicans, to file lawsuits against the state of Illinois. They say the new law violates the state's single-subject policy, which requires each law to only include one item. 
Patrick Keneally is among the state's attorneys who filed the lawsuit. He says the Democrat-led General Assembly passed the law too quickly. They took a seven-page shell bill that related to voting rights for people in the Illinois Department of Corrections and almost overnight turned that into a 764-page bill relating to not only all aspects of the criminal justice system, but also things well outside of the criminal justice system. Keneally hopes to win the lawsuit, nullifying the Safety Act. NTD reached out to Governor Pritzker, but didn't receive a response. The Illinois Attorney General's office declined to comment. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. Coming up, Republican lawmakers demand action for U.S. diplomats stuck in COVID quarantine camps in China. And thousands of Russians are trying to avoid conscription into the war in Ukraine, but the government of Finland takes action to slow the high number of recent border crossers. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. Now, this is somewhat of a rescue mission. Two Republican lawmakers are applying pressure on U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken because they want to know what the State Department is doing to get U.S. diplomats out of COVID quarantine camps in China. Entity's Daniel Monahan tells us more. In a letter to Blinken, the congressman state that U.S. Embassy officials in Beijing recently confirmed 16 U.S. diplomats and their family members have been involuntarily held in quarantine camps, and that this has been going on throughout the pandemic. During that time, they have been subjected to strict confinement measures with no definitive release date. The letter went on to express that Republicans are concerned the diplomats could be or have been pressured to surrender intelligence while detained, and that this undignified treatment must come to an end. They further stated that China has engaged in a sustained campaign to deprive diplomats of their liberties under the guise of COVID-19 containment, that it has improperly tested the diplomats for conditions and diseases other than COVID, and that it has attempted to separate quarantine children from their parents. The letter reminded Blinken that China reportedly executed over 30 American intelligence sources during the Obama administration and that the threats posed by China to U.S. diplomats while involuntarily and unjustly quarantined under the guise of COVID-19 protocols are worrisome. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The Pentagon has unveiled another arms package for Ukraine's combat with Russia. The cost is $1.1 billion. U.S. officials say the package includes launcher systems, munitions, and various drone and radar systems. The weapons will be produced by the industry rather than pulled from U.S. weapon stockpiles. This latest package brings the total amount of U.S. assistance to $16.2 billion since Russia invaded Ukraine in February. And Finland has closed its border to Russian tourists. The government expects the closure to cause a significant drop in cross-border traffic. The aim of the resolution is to halt Russian tourism into Finland and transit through Finland to other Schengen countries. In the resolution, the government notes that the entry of Russian citizens in tourist purposes into Finland endangers Finland's international relations. The closure shuts off the last remaining direct land route into the European Union for thousands of Russians seeking to avoid conscription into the war in Ukraine. The Finnish government said the move will lead to a significant drop in cross-border traffic. That after almost 17,000 Russians crossed the border into Finland during the weekend, an almost 80% rise on the number the week prior. With the decision, Finland joined other EU member countries sharing land borders with Russia, which had already barred Russian tourists. 
Its government had been wary of being a transit nation into Western Europe's passport-free Schengen zone. Back to America, California just signed legislation to start dealing with one of its somewhat invasive species, wild pigs. That's due to ongoing concerns with the damage they cause. Entities David Lamb talked to state agencies to hear about how they are now taking measures to reduce the problems. If you like picnicking, just be wary that you may or may not get some special guests joining you. Within the last 30 minutes, I saw a group of pigs, most likely a family, just go through this area looking for food, scaring off some turkeys, and then they ran off that way. So when you get a special picnic campground like this, plus a tree that drops a lot of acorns, it could be a prime spot for these animals to drop by. These are wild pigs, feral pigs, or scientifically known as Sus Graffa. A park official said that this area of the Joseph D. Grant County Park has about 50 to 60 feral pigs alone. Their diet is varied and includes fruits, roots, fungi, and invertebrates. With the use of their snout, they can tear up the land, including residential neighborhoods. Um, pigs can be very destructive and they pretty much dig and shovel out everything that they can as their food source with their nose. Williams is a manager with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. She says data suggests that wild pig populations are the highest along the central coast of California. According to the CDFW, wild pigs currently inhabit 56 of the state's 58 counties. There are a couple different things to be concerned about. Uh, wild pigs are extremely intelligent um, and highly fecund, meaning that they bear multiple litters or can bear multiple litters in a year. So we're really just concerned about the ecological damage and to habitat, public health concerns, um, and things like that in areas where pig populations are overabundant. If you encounter wild pig, just treat it as you would any other wild animal. Um, do not approach it, do not interfere with its young, and also limit any possibilities of encounter by removing attractants or anything in the area that they might come after. Their population and impact led Napa County-based Senator Bill Dodd to introduce Senate Bill 856. The bill expands pig hunting opportunities in California as a tool to address the problem of overabundance. On September 22nd, Governor Gavin Newsom signed the bill into law. It classifies the wild pig as an exotic game mammal and allows hunters to pay a fixed price for unlimited hunting. It is extremely unlikely that we will ever be able to move, remove all wild pigs throughout the state just through hunting, um, but we do look at it as an effective tool to both reduce the population and help in changing some of their behavior. The bill has been opposed by some hunting groups, citing potentially reduced revenue. Although attacks on humans are rare and not often deadly, wild pigs can attack if they feel threatened. Williams suggests keeping surroundings tidy, such as cleaning up left-out dog food or cat food, which can attract wild pigs. David Lamb, Entity News, California. And coming up, a love letter posted online has caused mixed reactions. We hear from the lovely couple on how it's made their relationship even stronger than before after the break. Welcome back. A high school student in, in, in Indiana recently set a new record. 
Math wizard Felix Jang is the only student, and get this, in the world to earn a perfect score on the AP Calculus exam. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story. That we can verify. The College so, Board, which administers the AP exams, recently notified Penn High Principal Sean Gallihair that Jang had attained a perfect score of 5 on a scale of 1 to 5. But that wasn't all. Jang was also the only student in the world to earn every point possible on the AP calculus exam. I was not surprised that Felix um, accomplished this. The surprising part was that he was the only one in the world. And the way his reaction was so humbling. As for the future, we'll turn that over to Felix. Still not sure exactly what I want to go into, but I really think it's probably going to be something to do with like math or numbers or something. So maybe like, I don't know, business or something. A lot of companies are sure to be on the lookout for this young man's expertise. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. I'm sure you will be in high demand. What an achievement. Congrats, Felix. Yeah, what a smart kid. You know, his parents must be proud. And you know, Evelyn, I took AP Calculus AB in high school and probably not a perfect score, but I got a five on the AP test. So I passed out a Calc 1 in college, but I retook it anyway. And that set me up to get straight A's in math during my undergrad studies. Hmm, that's some strategy right there. I think I honestly already see myself. I would resort to guessing for half of the test because what else should I do if I run out of fingers, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, on to another topic, Evelyn. How would you react if your loved one sent you a letter telling you that you are not the most beautiful or intelligent woman? Mm, well, I think my husband would not dare to speak to me that way. <laughs> that just assumed they have the wrong address. Okay, well, check this out. A Nigerian writer and life coach penned a love post to his fiancée that caused mixed reactions online. We spoke with the lovely couple to find out how they reacted. <laughs> Solomon and his fiancée, Ari Kay, have been in a long-distance relationship for just over a year. A secret, or the secret to a long-distance relationship is being with someone that you trust. I would say that my um, my secret is constant communication. On July 6th, Solomon proposed. Ari Kay lives in London while Solomon is in Nigeria. Then came the day Solomon posted a love letter he wrote to Ari Kay on social media. The letter read, You're not the most beautiful woman, neither are you the most intelligent woman. But like I've chosen to never find perfection in anyone else, I put my gaze on you, and with that commitment, we would mold ourselves for ourselves. Our perfection is in our commitment. The letter goes on about Solomon's true love and commitment to her. I think it's actually my favorite letter that, that he's ever written to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I first received the post a couple of days before he actually posted it online. Um, he sent it to me privately. When I actually finished reading the whole message, and I thought it was such a beautiful letter. The letter sparked a heated online debate as the post went viral. Outrage poured in with women criticizing him in the comment section for not telling her she is the most beautiful and intelligent woman. Comments were turned off on the post and many suggested that Ari Kay should leave him. I just started to put it out there to make people see another perspective of what love really means, of what commitment really means. Although it was a challenging time to be under such fire with the letter, Ari Kay was unmoved and stood by her fiancé. 
Arike actually never backed down. She, she told me not to apologize. She told me not to take down the post, you know, so, so that was very strong. Arike took no insult that her fiance didn't consider her as the most beautiful or intelligent woman he had ever met. I was like, wow, that actually takes a lot of pressure off me to try to be anything or, or to, to try to be the most beautiful, to try to be the most intelligent. Like that pressure is off because because even in a in a room of like beautiful people, in a room of of um, beautiful women, intelligent women, he will always choose me. So all that long distance communication seems to have paid off. Beautiful relationships are actually a result of difficult conversations and, you know, um, tough circumstances that would make you look inward and see that things are not the way that you feel they are. Go! The most important thing in a relationship is commitment. That's that's what will get you through the 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 tough days. And regardless of whether other people understand or not, the couple is speaking the same love language. It's not just about feelings or emotions. It's not just about it's not just about like like you know my attributes, but literally he loves me for me and he loves the core of who I am. Their relationship is stronger than ever. It really is a unique way to show affection, novel enough to make the news. Yeah, you know, after all, it's just the truth. Nobody is perfect, and it's really the commitment for each other and his commitment and love for her that counts. And I think the way it sounds like they will have a beautiful marriage. I think it's really cool that she said it takes the pressure off her. She can be herself. Yes, I know. Uh, luckily, she also read the letter till the end, so don't jump to conclusions too early. But we're concluding the show now. You can see our email address on screen right now. So shoot us an email with any comments or ideas you may have. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.